Welcome to the Martial Mind Power Podcast, where you discover how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization, inspired by martial arts and philosophy. When the pupil is ready, the master appears and so on, right? Uh, and in different languages and different cultures, the the same saying is said in slightly different ways, but it's saying the same thing, okay? So, but that's really the, the one that is most commonly known. There's three learning positions, right? So if you can see that, right? Number one is the student learning position. Number two is the teacher learning position. And number three is the observer or examiner learning position. And that was my second learning position, right? Uh, as a as a teacher, even though I'd been teaching for a year and a half up in the Leicester School, I attracted what I was putting out there, and I attracted brawlers, right? They just wanted to come in and fight. So we had plenty of opportunities to test if it worked, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, it was uncomfortable. Okay, it was uncomfortable because we had a lot of, you know. Uh, gritty characters, right? Welcome to another Martial Mind Power podcast. I'm Jatinda Palaha with Sifu Lakloy. And Sifu, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well, thanks for asking. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm excited today because we're not going to do a flicky flick. We're going to go to a certain topic and we're just going to have a conversation about that. So over to you on that. All right, cool. Thank you uh, for that, JT. So today I've actually picked uh, a specific koan um, from The Art of Thinking Without Thinking, which is this book right here. It's available on Amazon. So uh, anybody that's interested in picking up a copy of this, you can go there and order order yourself a copy. Uh, but today's koan is following a conversation that JT and I had uh, earlier this week. And uh, we thought, you know what, let's go into a deep dive on this one and then see what comes up. So are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this Cohen reads, when the student is unready. Sorry, like what page is that again? <laughs> it's page 333. Right? Page 333. And it reads, when the student is unready, the teacher disappears. Mm. All right. When the student is unready, the teacher disappears. So I'm just going to show show the artwork for uh, the viewers that are watching this on the video log. Right. It's an image of a school classroom with some school desks and some school chairs, the desk chairs, which are kind of... Uh, turned over it and sitting on top of the desk as you do at the end of a school lesson uh, at the end of the day so that the cleaners can come in and clean the floors and make your classroom nice and fresh. So that's the image there. So let's dive in. All right. So when the student is unready, the teacher disappears. Mm. So what came to you on this one? Yeah, this this is a very interesting and, and philosophical one. I mean, we we've had interesting conversations around this one in the in the past. So obviously, those things are popping up for him in my mind. I mean, we're all familiar with that old saying, isn't it? That when the the student is ready, the teacher appears. 
And um, from Lax's insights, there was a slight different twist on that in the sense that it's actually when the teacher is ready, the students appear, right? And in that same kind of context, the opposite of that. So when somebody's not ready for the information, the teacher could disappear. And, uh, you know, that's what's basically coming to mind without going too deep in just at this moment. <laughs> and then this is the fourth one, which is, and the students unready, the teacher disappears. Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're spot on. So you've basically got all the different permutations and combinations of that, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right. Exactly. So just to clarify for the viewers, right? The student is ready, the teacher appears. The student is unready, the teacher disappears. Then it's the flip side. The teacher's ready, the student appears. When the teacher is unready, then the student disappears. Okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. so I hope that makes makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. I guess really the, the the key thing here is okay. So let's let's take this in order, right? Let's start with when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Now this is the one. There's many different ways that people say this. You know, when the pupil is ready, the master appears, and so on, right? Uh, and in different languages and different cultures, the the same saying is said in slightly different ways, but it's saying the same thing. Okay. So, but that's really the, the one that is most commonly known when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So um, do you want to dig into that one? Yeah. So, um, so I think, um, so I'm just going back to like, you know, um, my experience with martial arts. I'm just going, I was trying to go back in my mind thinking, all right, when, when did I start martial arts or what was going on for me at that time? Um, and I think, I think it was just challenges at school at the time where obviously being a Bruce Lee fan, looking for martial arts, thinking that'd be cool. Who, where, what does Bruce Lee do? But didn't actually know. And then things at school where you're thinking, okay, how do you deal with situations and scenarios? And then I remember um, a friend of mine who actually joined the class, not too far from us. And he actually told uh, uh, that he started it or he'd been doing it for a while. And he told myself and another colleague and we were like yeah let's go and we checked it out turned up so it was almost like we were seeking it already to embrace it and all of a sudden the messenger appeared that then took us to the teacher that started to teach the martial art for example right um so i think that's what the first first kind of scenario is that we were ready and seeking that information and therefore the universe was almost like thinking okay right here's a few things that you can do for that to happen Awesome. Awesome. And then how did you find me? So, oh, so that was, a, that was, um, <laughs> again, that's a funny one, right? Because, um, so we met, um, oh, how long has it been about 10, 12 years, something like that. Been over a dozen years. And 12,000 years ago, we're talking. <laughs> yeah, 12,000 years ago. Yeah. And for the, for, the, for the listeners and the viewers, uh, if, you, if you didn't know, um, we met uh, through the martial arts school where um, uh, JT was a student of mine. And that's how, that's how we connected initially. But how did that connection happen is really the question here. Exactly. And, and, um, and I'll, I'll share that in a second, but it was... After joining Lax's classes, I it became a it came to my awareness as to what was going on with me at that time for that to come come by me, right? So the way it happened was um um I, I think I was just like literally going up the stairs. And as I was going up the stairs, I see this leaflet on the floor near the door through the letterbox, right? 
and it's a picture of Bruce Lee. And my first instinct was, oh, what's Bruce Lee doing on the floor? So I picked out the leaflet and it said, JKD classes, Greenford. And I was like, no way. I was like, do you know how long I've been waiting to learn this martial art? Right. And as soon as I got it, I basically turned up at the event um, that Lax was teaching. And uh, that's when we first met was that moment where we walked in. And the first thing you did was just embrace us. Like you just said, yeah, welcome, come, come and check it out. So that's that's how we first met. But then the realization was when I was actually doing the martial art and Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do is basically called the way of the intercepting fist, right? And its premise is based on like um, kind of attacking as opposed to defending um, as well. Whereas traditional martial arts, like when you go up or you learn self-defense, you're learning self-defense. So growing up, it was all about learning to defend oneself um, and, you know, just go on along with life and stuff like that. But doing the JKD stuff was almost like, well, you got to attack life as well. Sometimes you got to move forward. you got to intercept things that are coming your way. So having then studied the, some of the lessons, that became apparent that that's what was going on for me at that time. It was almost like a growth period for me to say, all right, what am I doing next? How am I interacting with life? How am I going to pivot on these things? And these are all the things that were coming up in the in the trainings for me. So that's how I made that connection that, okay, that's what's basically happened there. <laughs> well, that's, that's, how, that's how it was. That's how you attracted it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's amazing. And it's, it's no coincidence or accident that these things happen. And I'll give you, I'll share my story with you. Uh, and it's... Um, it's uh it's an amazing how it happened but um it was three months before our first child was about to be born uh, i woke up one morning and i had a compulsion that i needed to find bruce lee's martial art and uh <clears throat> i was into bruce lee when i was a kid um but you know I'd kind of forgotten about that over, over the years. And uh, this one morning it was, I need to find his art. And it was right here. It was calling. Um, it's the only way I can describe it. It was right in my gut. And at that time it was uh, in uh, early 2000s. Um, <clears throat> uh, I didn't know Bruce Lee had a martial art. I didn't know he, it had a name. I didn't know where I was going to find it. Uh, Google was in its infancy, so there was no information on uh, Bruce Lee, let alone uh, a martial art that was uh, connected to him, uh, let alone uh, something that he's he created through his own process. So it was a vacant space. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my wife about, I've got a calling to do this. And I said, I don't know why, but I have to do it. And... Uh, and you know her response was this bit of a lousy time to uh, to take up a martial art. You know, three months before, you know, we're about to have our first child, and I was like, I know, but I said I can't explain it. And I think she's always understood um, my soul's callings, and she's always uh, saw that and realized, you know what? If I don't let him do this, or if I don't support him with this, he's never going to really step into his true power. And there's something going on here which. Uh, is beyond us and uh, she always supported me so she said all right then if you must then go for it so I did <clears throat> um, 
you know, I looked around, I went to Wushu temples and I was living in Manhattan at the time. Didn't find anything, you know, I went to Wushu temples, you know, just to kind of explore the martial arts because I really wasn't sure what this whole thing was all about. And it, you know, even that didn't feel right. And then it was just by accident. Well, I say accident, but uh, uh, by fate, should I say, that uh, I'd happened to be consulting in Midtown uh, for uh, a client who uh, who's uh, who ran a quantitative trading desk uh, uh, for one of the big uh, tier one investment banks, and uh, he wanted me specifically to go in from the vendor side because I worked for an, uh, a trading systems vendor at the time to go in and help him do uh, some uh, some work on uh, on their system, and um, so I did. And I went in and, you know, at that time I was always carrying my uh, rucksack with my gym gear and I was a member of the New York Health and Racquet Club and I'd just go into whichever one was closest one because it was spread out all over Manhattan. And I happened to go into the one, I think it was on 46th Street. Uh, when I went into it um, after uh, doing the consulting one day and uh, walked past the studio and in the corner of my eye, I mean, when I mean corner of my eye, the very corner of my eye, I don't know how uh, this happened, but I caught the words, learn Bruce Lee's martial art. And that's a lot of words to catch, but they're the <laughs> words that they just kind of popped like sucker punch me from the side. And I remember just snapping my neck, looking at this thinking, what the, you know, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and there it was learned Bruce Lee's martial art. And that was the first time I realized it had a name. It was a thing. Jeet Kune Do. Mm. What is this Jeet Kune Do, you know? I was absolutely fascinated. And uh, I had to, you know, learn more about it. And that was it. Uh, I, you know, found out what days it was on and I booked and that's it. Rest is history. Um, so, you know, there definitely was will and intention there. Mm. And, and I literally stumbled into it walked into it you know <clears throat> and uh, amazing honestly i can't can't describe the magical feeling that mm -hmm. happened in that moment i mean i was clearly uh, something in me made me ready for it even though i wasn't you know one one you know the night before i had no recognition and realization of this and the next morning i need to do something you know right <laughs> completely left field um and uh, and there you go, teacher appears. And, you know, that teacher as well, I think he must have been, I really think the guy's some kind of angel, right? And I'll tell you why. Because he was a younger lad, younger than me. He was at uni, university and I was 29 at the time. And uh, uh, he, 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 he was a skinny lad right but he could pack a punch and the first time he punched the focus pads i thought wow how did you generate so much power and i couldn't i couldn't generate that much power then and uh, i was just completely wowed uh, uh, but he had a way about him and he always used to say this and i've never shared this with you jt but his name was frankie right and he was part of the new york martial arts academy which uh, back then was affiliated to Ted Wong, which was one of Bruce Lee's, Bruce Lee's sparring partners. Um, and um, so I landed in a reputable uh, martial arts school that had a really strong lineage with Bruce Lee as well. Mm. And Frankie, he had a way about him. He, his ambition was to become a public speaker. 
Mm. He wanted to, you know, do what I'm doing right here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did not have any, any desire to do any of that. I was scared of speaking in public, right? I had no plans of teaching martial arts, let alone teaching self-mastery, self-realization further down the line. I had no idea any of this is going to happen. Um, And it was almost like he came into my life to show me that this is what you need to do, almost by saying he, he wants to do it. And I had no idea, didn't really kind of register any of that, but he inspired me. He empowered me. All right. Mm -hmm. And he educated me at the same time. And that became the mantra, you know? Um, And it wasn't until years later that I realized uh, that he'd sown some real fertile seeds. And all these years later that these flowers are blooming and now that we're able to spread the beautiful fragrance of that moment, that happened back then in 2003, right? Three months before my firstborn was born. Uh, and here we are. So really, honestly, uh, magic, complete magic, how this has all happened and transpired and where we are right now. Um, but that's just when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Yeah, because, yeah. because then the journey goes on and um, then there's, there's realizations and experience around the other, uh, other kind of uh, permutations and combinations around the student and the teacher relationship, right? Because ultimately mm-hmm. what we're talking about here is not just a student-teacher relationship, but something far greater than that, right? Uh, up, until, up until the moment a student meets a teacher, right, there is something transpiring to bring them together, Right. And that's what we're talking about right here. That's crazy. I was just going to say that. Okay, so you said that was around 2003, yeah? Um, so when you when you came back to the UK, you were training up in Leicester, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And um, that was, would you say that that was one of the first kind of JKD schools in the UK? Like in that area? <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So I trained in the, in the US for a year and... Um, so I was working in, 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 in Manhattan at the same time and uh, I'd, I'd suffered kind of burnout and uh, we had some personal things going on and I'd my, you know, in a really low point and I just needed, needed to get out, get out, the, get out the whole city wall street thing. And uh, I ended up coming back to the UK, but before I came back to the UK, I remember going on the search engines at the time. And it wasn't necessarily Google. It was uh, Netscape and mm-hmm. uh, there were that other Sounds ones. about right. <laughs> yeah. There were, other, there were other other search engines at that time as well, um, which I can't remember to mind right now. And uh, I remember finding, uh, I don't know how, but I remember finding um, this um, martial arts school that was a, about to open up uh, mm. in my hometown, right? And um, uh, they hadn't opened. So I actually called uh, over while I was in the States and they said, actually, well, you know, we haven't opened yet, but we're going to open. But so by the time you get here, we'll be open for maybe about a month, maybe a couple of months. And I couldn't believe that, you know, there was a school in my hometown because I was originally in London. So uh, I ended up going back to Midlands. Uh, where they 
where they just started teaching jikanu literally um uh, a few weeks before my arrival and i took i took uh, several years out uh in order to do that i think it was for three years uh three years i took out just to, to train martial arts and you know um work on my own personal business ventures but you know i spent a lot of time training full time mm. and uh, that was an amazing experience because <clears throat> that's where it all kind of like really started to to take place uh, yeah. again no ambition to teach no ambition to to uh, do anything other than just follow follow the journey to, uh, and see where it takes me and uh, here we are so even that was kind of ready made uh, for me to come back to and it was That's amazing isn't it so amazing. that would have been what what year would that have been then that was uh, 2004 2004 yeah so i'm just like i was just trying to like create like this mental um timeline in my mind about when i became aware that there is actually a school teaching jkd um so it must have been around that time because um when i was training at that i would have been doing I think I would have been the jiu-jitsu and the kickboxing stuff around that time. And I remember hearing about these classes that are, that are available in Leicester. And I was like, damn, man, that's like two hours away. I don't even think I was driving at the time, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, how am I going to go there? Like, well, how am I going to learn this? There's like, there didn't seem to be any other schools. You're right, you couldn't find that kind of information, even though there might have been others, but probably were other schools around. Um and then, yeah, so that's why when I saw that, like similar to yourself, seeing it from the corner of the eye, like saw this picture on the floor, as soon as that came in, I was like, wow, it's actually landed on my doorstep. How can I not do this? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's just quite interesting how like that connection, that actually knowing about Leicester, but then meeting you that were from Leicester, but in London, right? Yeah, exactly. You came yeah. to me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> And the, the the story behind actually teaching was an interesting one because I was obviously quite passionate about it at that time. Uh, and uh, I'd already done um, uh, my instructorship. So, you know, I was a, uh, an associate instructor by then, so I could go out and teach. Uh, but I didn't really want to, uh, and I didn't really have any ambitions to even though i taught while i was uh in leicester for a year and a half uh taught uh i think it was uh six classes a week up to six classes a week which is quite quite a lot <clears throat> um and it was it was through conversations with my colleagues actually that um that my colleagues decided to get a group of people together saying oh we we would like to kind of learn what you're what you've learned we'd like to learn the martial art we're kind of quite uh, uh, inspired by you know your passion and um why don't you put a class on and i remember there being about six or seven people that started to bug me about it mm -hmm. and, I thought, and i and i remember speaking to my wife about it and um uh you know running it past her she said well you should do and this is again where she kind of recognizes things that I didn't recognize. And she says, just go for it. You know, just do one class a week and see what happens. Mm. So I thought, okay, I'll do one class a week. So I did. Um, <clears throat> and this was, you know, basically uh, under a bit of pressure really to, to keep these guys happy. And then we thought, you know, 
all right, let's just see what happens. Uh, so I did. I put one class on, and it was only two months later that I put the second one on. <laughs> it was like, all right, let's do this twice a week, uh, maybe two or three months, and that was it. So uh, since then, we've always had minimum of two classes a week. Um, and, um, you know, I do, um, I still work in the city. Uh, as a consultant, I consultant trading systems uh, and uh, other domains. Um, but the con- constant has always been the martial arts uh, ever since. And uh, it's just grown into where we are now. And, uh, you know, like I said, just keep spreading that fragrance because it's important actually that you, you do show uh, uh, fertile seeds in uh, fertile ground as well. And you apply, you know, um, you know, the nutrients and uh, minerals and the vitamins and the sustenance that it needs to help grow that uh, seed and let that flourish, you know, into a blooming flower and so on. And um, I think just by having stickability, as Dr. Napoleon Hill would say, is um, that's, that's nurturing that seed. That's what that's what gives it the the energy to 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 sprout and grow and then flourish, and uh, we've been going strong. The London classes have been going over fifteen years now, even through the pandemic. You know, two years we did classes via Zoom, and um, it's we've been a year year back in the studio post pandemic, and uh, you know, again, uh, it's going from strength to strength. So just keep doing it really, you know, just yeah. keep doing it. There's no, nothing to gain out of it. In fact, there's a lot to give. It's the opposite way around. And that's, uh, that's where we are with it. So, yeah. So, her, you know, again, it just shows, you know, that, you know, there's three learning positions, right? There's three learning positions, right? So if you can see that, right. Number one is the student learning position, Number two is the teacher learning position. And number three is the observer or examiner learning position. Mm. And that was my second learning position, right, uh, as, a, as a teacher, even though I'd been teaching for a year and a half up in the Leicester School. Um, but to do it on your own without the guidance of your senior instructor and so on, <clears throat> um, and, then, and then just really go, go a solo on it, it's, uh, it's a it's vulnerable and courageous in a situation all at the same time and just stepping into that. So it was interesting uh, to do that, but that was, that's been massive, you know, and then, you know, since then, you know, been grading and uh, students and, you know, in the examining position. And as you teach, you know, you also need to observe what's happening uh, and you start to kind of also pick up from that standpoint as well. Uh, But moreover, when you've got, um junior instructors or assistant instructors or affiliate instructors that are, are also in the space and you're training them to teach you're now now become the observer so that's you know we've got many instructors that have come up over the years and uh, watching them uh, train and teach in class as well uh you know puts you in the observer position and you learn so much through that process so mm-hmm. you know the what the one thing the one thing uh, you know i think is it's uh it's clear on this is is you're an, you're an eternal student it doesn't it doesn't stop you don't stop learning and you got to just keep going so uh i think it's important to to make that point because if anyone's kind of you know embarking on um 
on a learning journey, a journey of growth, go in it, for, go into it for the long term. <clears throat> yeah, go into yeah. it for the long term because uh, you know a short term view is very short lived. You won't really flourish you know because you're not nurturing and nurturing that seed you know that seed's never mm. going to really sprout into the flower that you want it to be and you'll never be really get to the point where you start to first spread that fragrance you know and that even once the flowers bloom the fragrance comes after okay mm. right it's this process of maturation right and uh, uh you've got to again keep going keep going i can't say that enough stickability is a really powerful word Absolutely, man. And you know what's what's interesting as you're sharing that, that the other part of this whole conversation that like coming up for me as well, because I started thinking, well, why did I stop doing martial arts? What was going on there? And um, and and I remember the the kind of um, time frame was around like GCSE time initially, right? So there was that time when you took off time for revision, and that stopped the momentum in a way, right? But then I went back to it. Uh, but then when I went back to it, the teachers started to change because the main teacher that was there, he went away, started doing his own, um, I think just work-related stuff. So he had to, you know, move away from it. So the teachers started to change. So that there was fluctuation going on there. So in terms of how I was getting trained, it was on and off, on and off as well for a good couple of years. And then when um, we, we had this, um, it, it just got passed down. So I remember the the, the, the guy I used to teach there, who was a student, we trained together and then he took over the classes. And then we, even with himself, he got to a stage where he had to then just leave um, work-wise and he had to move out and kind of thing. And when he moved away, the students moved away. So the classes just came to a stop, you know? Yeah. And um, so it was interesting to see that, like even when somebody's journey changes, the, the kind of knock-on effect it has, intentional, unintentional, yeah. and and what can come out of that, right? So there was like this great big, gap in my life like okay not doing myself what's going on so i went to different schools so i learning with different people just to see what was going on and you know um i was used to a certain vibe a way of doing things so when i went to different places it wasn't quite the same even though they were great schools right um and i, I i'm fortunate in the sense i don't think i've had like a a, a dodgy teacher or anything right um in, in any of the martial arts i did train um but it was it was just interesting to then see the different dynamics between the teachers, the students, the different classes, and what was going on there. Um, so you know, like afterwards, left all those places only till I came back with yourself that it reignited everything again. Do you know what I mean? But it just changed the whole dynamic of everything because it was it was that like I said, it was at that moment in time in my life where I was pivoting, I was changing, I was thinking, okay, where am I going? And yeah, yeah. even like when I, the first time you taught us that pivot technique. I thought, oh my goodness, like look look at the like similarities in what's being taught and what I'm going through in life. All right. So that yeah, I just wanted to share that. So that the teacher changed, it went away, the student disappeared in a sense, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Until it reignited itself. Yeah. So I think I think that's definitely a case of uh when the teacher is unready, the student disappears. Right. Um, and also uh, part of that is when the students are ready, the teacher disappears. Right. Mm. Uh, 
and in your case, I think it was a bit of both before, you know, um, when you left that, because, you know, you, you had other commitments, you know, you had uh, study commitments uh, towards the GCSEs and uh, you needed to put time, energy and effort into that. So as a consequence, uh, you had to take some energy away from other uh, competing priorities, uh, such as your martial arts class. And that's OK. It's OK to do that. Uh, but then the teacher changed and now now that whole environment changed right and your connection to that teacher wasn't there so just by your teacher being displaced by a new teacher now the teachers become unready as well so there's loads of different ways that this can present itself and it's really kind of recognizing that actually it happens it happens you know sometimes you know um you know the student being unready can be a consequence of i mean i've seen uh over the you know, we're into our 16th year teaching now. Over this, over these years, uh, 16 years, 15 years teaching, uh, 16th year into JKD London, right? But before that, I taught for a year and a half as well. So that's uh, 16 and a half years, over 16 and a half years. But over that period, um, I've seen a variety of all of these combinations now student is unready and the teacher disappears is an interesting one right because you know this is this is what the koan's about right when the student is unready and you know it does it does come to sometimes come to a point where you know the student feels like they've learned all they can learn you know Uh, and quite a common uh milestone where that happens is when uh someone becomes a black belt right when someone becomes a black belt, uh, quite often students feel that, okay, they've achieved the pinnacle of martial artistry. That's it. They're free. They're going to go and drop that and go go off and, you know, now they're a black belt for, for life, okay? The black belt is just the beginning, mm. okay? The black belt is just the beginning. <clears throat> now, I always like to use uh, this analogy of a painter, right now um you know when you when a painter first has to learn how to paint he has to learn how to hold the paintbrush has to learn how to uh apply uh uh paint onto the paintbrush then it's got to learn how to uh, apply the paint on the paintbrush onto the medium let's just say it's a canvas right and then it's got to learn how to create the different kind of effects the different strokes and dabs or whatever it might be okay um learn how to mix up paints and learn how to use different brushes and different types of tools. Um, now, black belt level is really understanding how to use everything in your paint, paint box tool set. Okay. <clears throat> Including the paints and so on to create all the different kinds of effects and brush strokes and, and so on that you might want to create on any given medium. Yeah. After black belt comes your personal expression, right? Is you, as you kind of really embed things into your subconscious mind and you start to really truly express yourself without thinking anymore, with it just being autonomous uh, motion or intelligent response, as I like to call it, is what happens after that is what picture do you create as an artist? Mm -hmm. Do you create a portrait? Do you create a landscape? Do you create an abstract uh, uh, painting, you know? These start to become the expression after the black belt level, okay? Uh, And that's a long way to go because Mm. that's where it starts to get really hard, okay? Why does it get hard? Because 
yeah, I haven't really understood what your authentic style is, right? Mm. So if you look at uh, artists like Van Gogh, okay? Van Gogh had a very unique way of painting, okay? Very unique way of painting. He used to paint motion, yeah? He used to paint in such a way that the images had inherent motion within it, okay? If you look at Starry Eye, for instance, yeah? Um, and if you look at someone like Leonardo da Vinci, okay? Mm -hmm. He was more into the portrait type of images uh, and, uh, you know, the uh, that style of painting, okay? Uh, and um, each artist has got his has got his or her uh, own personal um, expression. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, martial artistry above the black belt is really kind of first of all understanding who am I, and how do I how do I express myself into the world honestly, staying mm -hmm. honest to myself, staying authentic to myself. But you have to find yourself first through that through that through the art of painting. Okay. Uh, martial arts is no different. Okay, you're doing it through martial artistry, through combative motion. Okay, and learning how what works for you and how you can be effective as a street fighter uh, based on different types of opponents. Right, mm -hmm. you know, an artist has different types of uh, mediums, whether it's uh, a canvas or whether it's uh, paper or whether it's material, whatever it might be. And uh, martial artists has got you know, up against different types of fighters, it might be a shooter, might be a crasher, might be a touch and go fighter and so on, right? So, so your application is based on who you're working with, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that, that kind of hopefully gives you an idea that above black belt is where the true artistry, martial artistry really starts. Okay. Um, it's, um, so if that's the case, a lot of people fall out, fall out of martial arts way too early, okay, way too early. Um, and actually, it's after the, the black belt where you get into the degrees and the dance in uh, levels is where you start to really, um, really show. Now, you know, the, the thing is, you know, if you've got a sharp sword, okay, right, Let's say as a black belt, you are a sharp sword, right? When you get, when you're kind of ascending that process and transcending that process and you're getting even sharper, the difference is going to be really minute, okay? The difference between sharp and razor sharp is minute, okay? Why is it minute? Because it's already sharp, right? Sharp is sharp, but something that's razor sharp is even more dangerous, okay? You need less effort to be deadly, okay? Uh, but personally, people see less progression, okay? But people around you will still see massive progression because you're so far ahead, okay? But it's a personal journey. It's not by anyone else. So uh, when this... Yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's very interesting. Yeah, you've been sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Like, there's a lot of things I'm thinking back on now, which I hadn't quite thought about, right? In the sense that one, um, you know, when I was talking about, like, we had certain quite a bit of changes in like the instructors in between and there was like one instructor which i really connected with but I, he was only with us for a short period of time and this instructor gave me insights that the other ones hadn't given me insights right there was like some breathing techniques it was like you know 
controlling the way your chi works and all that kind of stuff. Um, him and, and even though he was teaching jujitsu, he was coming up with things like, well, if you get yourself into you know a fight situation, you're gonna it's gonna be like close combat. And he goes, the you know the the thing to learn in close combat is the best martial art in a way is boxing for you. And I was like, what? And you know, you're getting this instructor who's now expanding my mind, right, into different ways of thinking. Um, because it's similar, because you know, you're sharing about like the black belt. He was the one who said, okay, you got your black belt. What does it mean now? And I sat there and I went, I'm not sure. And he goes, exactly, it's confusion. This is where the straight training begins. Yeah. It was like the, what he sh- shared with me was like, yeah, it was what I needed at that particular time, right? Um, so it's, it's really interesting in that. And then what you were saying about your evolution of, you know, um, as a martial artist, like you say, because most of my like insights and stuff came at that exactly what you're saying at that stage where I was like, okay, what what does this mean? What did, how does this look like? Where am I going with this? You yeah. know, so I didn't train long enough in that because the classes dropped, so I didn't go for any dance or anything. But I did start experimenting with different martial arts, yeah. right? So there were some martial arts that are not not even interested in those ones, and there's some were like, okay, this looks interesting, and in a way, start to amalgamate the best of what I liked and actually you were doing. Yeah. Right. Um, so, for example, when I came across kickboxing, I really, really enjoyed it. And what I took from um, j- from um, jiu-jitsu was the fluidness stuff, being like water, that kind of element. Right. And then JKD, I mean, I, I did a bit of Aikido, tried that out. That was cool. Tai Chi, um, built other bits in between. And then we came to JKD and JKD just for me, it put everything together. Right. It was just like it just made sense in the way it was being taught. So that expression, that self-expression of what you learn and how you become, I, I it's making sense to me now as to how all of that came yeah. together to form what I liked and what I wanted to express in that kind of thing. Perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. And also just just for the listeners and viewers as well, you know, this isn't this podcast isn't about Jeet Kune Do, okay? Uh, mm. It's inspired by Jeet Kune Do, and this, some of the teachings are inspired by Jeet Kune Do, and our personal journeys is what we're sharing here. But really, this applies to all martial arts. And this is from someone that's a, a practitioner in multiple different martial arts as well. And uh, as has as, as, uh, JT uh, done so in the past as well. And this is, this is uh, how we would like you to t- receive this. This isn't about... Yeah, this art is this art is better than that art. This completely misses the point, right? Mm-hmm. It's about it's about the underlying um, um, mechanics that are happening, right? As a consequence of this, so just you know, um, um, it's that thing. Is it's like what you end up liking out of the whole process, you know? Yeah, it's um, so try it all and then see what you like. It's, it's uh, I, I, we, we, like you said, we inspired by Bruce Lee. So I think about Bruce Lee said, you know, take what's useful and discard, you know, everything else and make it your add what is uniquely your own. And I think and that's what we're trying to express here, isn't it? To, to a point, right? At a point, should I say. And, you know, the thing is, you know, um, uh, you know, research, as Bruce said, you know, research your own. You know, use what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what specifically you own. Now, you know, that happens when you understand your tool set. You know, you can't start doing that right from day one. You can't say, hey, you know what? I don't like this. Fuck off, you know, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and I like this. I'll have a bit of that, you know? And I, li- I like what's happening over there. I'll have a bit of that. And, you know, uh, I'm going to add my own shit into this, right? And make my own fucking concoction, right? You're never really going to understand yourself because you haven't haven't uh, really kind of attained any mastery over your tool sets, you mm. know? 
I mean, if you just take, you know, a, a mechanics toolbox, yeah, and you, you know, you want to, um, you know, tighten a, um, uh, a screw with a, um, um, a, a Phillips uh, uh, screw head on it, right? And you use a flat screw. It's not going to be as powerful as using one that's got a Phillips screw head on it, right? You've got mm-hmm. to use the right tool, you know. You can't use, you know, uh, a spanner, right to bang in a nail i mean you could do if it's heavy enough but it's not the right tool for the job it might get the job done it might fuck up the nail in the process right it might bend it or something you might have to have a few tries you might even bash your bash your hand in the process right and catch your finger or whatever it might be you might even damage whatever you're trying to nail the bloody nail into yeah but the point is if you use the right tool less likely to do any of that make any of those mistakes right um mm-hmm. so over time, once you know how to use your tools, what the right application for it is, only then can you, you know, turn around and say, well, do you know what? I don't like doing, you know, a certain type of kick because my body doesn't feel right doing it. My body doesn't allow me to do it easily. I can, I've learned it, right? But I've got to a point where I realize it doesn't work for me because I'm too slow in it. My range of movement is not there, Okay my mind doesn't go that into that direction so i'm going to leave this one right this isn't working for me right um and uh, and then that's when you discard it right or you think or you might feel that well you know what this this might somebody might make this look easy but for me it's really difficult right i'm struggling with this it's hurting doing it but i managed to do it i managed to get to a state of mastery i understand where i can use it but now I'd rather use something else in that application, right? And that's when you start to start to uh, discard things. You don't just discard things willy-nilly, not knowing how they work. And this is the thing: is you need, you should really allow yourself to understand what works where, and what doesn't work where, right? So you can make an informed decision. Also, uh, when I say where, it also depends on who. So, for example. For example, um, if uh, there's techniques, right, that uh, may work against someone that's shorter than you, but won't work against someone that's taller than you, okay? And vice versa, techniques that work against someone that's taller than you, but won't work against someone that's shorter than you more effectively. For example, someone's taller than you, an uppercut's easier to reach, okay? Because you're underneath the target, okay? But if someone's a lot shorter than you, you're going to have to squat in and chamber and get underneath their chin in order to uppercut them if the chin is the mm-hmm. target, as an example. So it's more work. Why would you do that? Just knee mm-hmm. them in the freaking chin, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Because your knee's closer than your hand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just to give an example, the idea is to use the right tool, but you can only use the right tool when you know what tools to use in which situation. And that comes through practice and learning your tool set, learning, mm-hmm. learning uh, your art efficiently. So student can become unready for many different reasons. One being, you know, you don't continue and you think you've got to a certain level. I've also seen many, many different things happen at a black belt level. Okay. Black belt level. Um, humility and humbleness is really important. Okay. Mm-hmm. At that point, right. Humility and humbleness is really important, especially if you're embarking into the instructor uh, process uh, because, you know, you've got an obligation to inspire, educate, and empower your students to bring the best out of them, 
and uh, so that they can they can really be their best. And in order to do that, you must also put your best side forward, not your worst side forwards. Okay, but as a consequence, so that's you know when the student's unready, you know. But as a consequence, quite often teachers, right, we who are the complete opposite, right, uh, of that can also teach you a lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So teachers will teach you from their worst or teachers will teach you from their best at the same time, okay? So the worst that teacher's got to put forwards is serving you because that's what you need to learn. Maybe you're learning what you don't want to become. Maybe you're learning the things that are missing in your life. Maybe mm -hmm. you're learning the things that you want in order to become aware and alert and uh, strive towards uh, attaining that. And that way, that teacher will now start to disappear because mm. now that teacher is no longer serving you, right? Because you'll become aware actually what you need to be served, what you Absolutely. need to learn, all right? Um, students can also become unready uh, when, um, and part, part, of, part of the whole black belt thing is your teacup is full, mm. Right. So you, you might have heard the saying, you know, um, the usefulness of the teacup is in its emptiness. <clears throat> in other words, if knowledge is tea and you put the tea into a teacup and the teacup becomes full and starts overflowing and brimming, right? How are you going to put any more tea in it? You can't. You can't put any more knowledge into it. You need to drink the tea, assimilate it, absorb it, right? Empty that teacup and so you can pour more tea into it. But I've seen it many times. Students uh, either come with a full teacup, in which case they're not ready to learn anyway, and they're insistent they want to learn uh, and really can't really teach them anything, right? So um, these days I'd rather just tell them, actually, you know what, it's not right for you because you already know. There's not nothing I can teach you. You already know what you need to know and uh, you're best, you know, to find an alternative solution, you know, um, mm -hmm. because it's, 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 it's uh, pointless uh, trying to force your tea into someone's teacup when mm -hmm. it's full, right? Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my time uh, because it's not going to benefit either party, teacher or student. Um, so there, that, there is that element. So, you know, everybody knows and know it all. Someone that, you know, when you talk to something about something, they're like, yeah, I do it this way and I do it that way and I've got this and I've got that and I did this and I did that. And it doesn't end. It doesn't end um, until either that student realizes <clears throat> that they're actually not ready to learn um, and they become aware that actually, hold on, do I really want to learn? And if I am going to learn, I need to change my attitude Okay, and this doesn't mean it's, this doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just a fact that it happens, um, and that way you know you can help them. Because ultimately, if you want to bring the best out of someone, then they must be willing to willing to change, willing to put some effort into it. Um, and if they're blocking themselves, what's there is no point, right? You're wasting time, effort, energy, money, everything, right? All of it is just wasted. Whereas you can give your attention to someone else that actually deserves it. Someone else that actually is open to it. Mm. Right. And that's my philosophy. Anyway, there are, there are many, many, many uh, teachers that will say, Hey, come join. We'll take your money. And that's okay. Because 
we don't care if you learn or not learn, that's your prerogative, not mine. Uh, but I think there's a symbiotic relationship here where one must harmonize uh, and have a symbiotic uh, relationship and synergy with what's happening here in order to really bring it out. You can't nurture something if you're blocking it. Mm. Right? You can't You can't do that. It won't work. So it's important that um, that there is that. Now, what, what I've started doing re- recently is initiation, okay? So if you sign up to completejkd.com, which is our online uh, learning platform, there's a pledge that we ask our students to sign. And our students have to sign uh, a pledge that says that I surrender to the teacher because I want to learn, right? And as a consequence, there's going to be honor and respect between us both. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the beginning of class, you know, we we do, we bow. We bow at the beginning of class, we bow at the end of class. And I, as a teacher, bow to my students first, Okay. I extend peace, respect, love uh, to my students first, right? And then it's up to the students to extend it back to me, right? Um, Out of uh, the similar virtues as well, okay? Uh, And this shows my surrender to my students, right? My commitment to my students. Um, So uh, this is initiation uh, is not about ego. It's It's about moving all the crap out of the way so you open right? To cultivate yourself to be the best you can be and allowing someone that's um, ahead of that, that, that process to guide you. That is it. Mm. That is it, right? So when the student is unready, uh, the teacher can disappear. Uh, and when that happens, um, and these are the kind of reasons that a teacher would turn their back on you, is, is for those kind of aforementioned things. Uh, are very high. And there's many other scenarios around that, which um, which are very circumstantial. So um, at a high level, these are the the kind of like principles and philosophies that apply in these particular situations, right? And then um, the next one I want to really kind of go into is uh, when the teacher is ready, the student appears, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to share part of uh, my uh, journey when I first set up my school and... um, I guess I was always ready and all these students appeared and they're like, like, you know, you need to start to teach uh, and put on a class. Um, <clears throat> I didn't think I was ready, but I must have been in some way, shape or form because I had the pressure from my colleagues um, and family members to, to do it. I had a brother-in-law that also wanted me to do it. <clears throat> and so whether I was at home or whether I was at work, I was... Um, I had a bit of pressure to do it, which is, which is positive pressure, right? Which is good. So I must, I must have been ready. I must have been ready. Something in life was pushing me to learn and continue to grow um, in my path, um, only for me to then, uh, as I said, uh, give it away later on. It's almost like it was a pay it forward kind of mechanism going on. So, um, and then after that, you know, when we first started the school, uh, I was in a place where I thought, well, you know, am I really ready? Do I, have I really got it? Um, And I really wanted to kind of build my confidence that, you know, I could fight and could really make it work. Uh, So when we first started the school, um, I attracted what I was putting out there and I attracted brawlers, 
right? Mm. They just wanted to come in and fight. So we had plenty of opportunities to test if it worked, <laughs> right? Mm. And I, I tell you, it was uncomfortable, okay? It was uncomfortable because we had a lot of, you know, uh, gritty characters, right? And that's okay. But because I was attracting it, my vibe was attracting my tribe. And that's that's what was what my vibe, what vibe was at the time because I needed to prove that I was enough to myself, not to anyone else. Uh, and a couple of years down the line, and I kept a close group. I didn't open it up. I had about a dozen students and I kept it closed for the first couple of years. I didn't really want to make it a commercial, commercially open school at that time. Uh, so after the first dozen or so students, that was it. And we ch- take chunks out of each other, really, to be honest, and uh, really pressure test ourselves, you know, black eyes, you know, bleeding noses, <laughs> lips, the whole lot, you know. <clears throat> and um, uh, and it was consistent and constant. Um, and then a couple of years down the line, it was kind of, okay, that's enough. I know I'm okay. I am enough. I am enough. And I, there's nothing I need to prove to myself anymore. I wasn't proving anything to anyone else. And nor did I talk to this about any, to anyone else uh, because it was an internal journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed to know that if what I'm teaching to people worked, because otherwise it wasn't, it wasn't worth doing it. And it was for me an integral part of the process. And um, uh, we did at that time, um, get people coming from other places as well to try and pressure test us. And it was, uh, it was, it was and a key part of that process. And I know that process was because of me, because of what I was going through and what I needed at that time. And then after that, <clears throat> I um, started to, I think after that, I, it wasn't, it wasn't sure after that, uh, that I'd met you and um, I'd start, you'd start to, started to make me aware of the um the personal development elements uh, and aspects of the way i taught and um ha- the positive impact this was having on people's uh bodies minds spirits um and um after that moment i decided well actually you know what i want intelligent fighters i want i want thinkers I want thinkers, right? <clears throat> and I want thinkers because I want people to really come in to uh, um, change themselves to um, for through process of personal growth. And it became um, a mental journey at that time. So I went from body to mind. And uh, <clears throat> so that started happening. Uh, and that went on for... I would say about five years, six years, and it was uh, wasn't it wasn't uh, long, especially after my spiritual quest and and um, uh, insights, and um, that uh, I realized actually this is no longer about um, becoming uh, intelligent thinkers. This was about the art of not thinking. Mm-hmm. and stepping into the unconscious uh, space, the space of energy, the space of spirit, right? The space of your true self, okay? Your true essence. Uh, and that's when I went from the mind into the spirit, 
So we started off body, mind, spirit. <clears throat> and that's how my process evolved. Um, and then I started attracting students that were uh, more holistically um, motivated to, to grow uh, in this lifetime, in this physical existence uh, <clears throat> on Mother Earth. And um, this is where we are now, you know? So we not only teach how to kick ass, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? We also teach you how to, you know, think um, like a warrior. And finally, how to expand like a warrior, how to, how to, uh, how to shine, right, in your true brightness. So body, mind, and spirit. And that's kind of like how it's grown. But my, the students that I've attracted through those phases, and then, you know, I, I can almost see when those kind of changes, those shifts in energy, in my energy happened, that mm -hmm. I started to attract a different type of student clientele. And it's been beautiful. Honestly, it's been an amazing journey. But I can tell you, your vibe attracts your tribe. Is not just a, 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 you know, a cliche saying. It works. It works. Your intention, where you are right now, is what you're attracting. So be careful what you're putting out there, honestly. So when the teacher is ready, the student appears, and. Um, I never really worried about attracting loads of students. They just came. And the kind of students that came were based on where I was and what I wanted to teach and what I was able to give. And that's exactly what they came to receive. Mm. Fabulous, man. That's, that, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like vibration, frequency, resonance. All these things seem to have a place in how you know, on, on where you are, because I, I can see like just listening. I mean, this has been a very um, contemplative type of conversation today because I've been going reminiscing in my kind of journey and experience. And just as you've been sharing, I've been like, thinking, oh, yeah, that's where that's happened for me. And that's what's come out of it. Um, and it, it is right. It's, it's absolutely there. But some the, the funny thing is we're not all the time consciously aware of it as well. It's like yeah. almost like you know, we're just going through a phase and that phase then takes you onto another journey. But this is exactly what's going on. And the idea is that when you awaken to the understanding of what that shift is going within you, yeah. you, you kind of then can, you know, almost like, I suppose almost like manifest in a way, the, the way and the direction you want to go. Um, yeah. And then the people that join you on that journey, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and um, it's, it's a beautiful process, honestly. Uh, if you do it with the right intention, uh, you do it with an open heart and open mind, um, it's, you can really uh, leave a positive imprint in people's minds, hearts, and spirit. And that there is what it's all about because it's transformative, right? It can completely change someone's life. And I don't do it for the gratification uh, of doing it or for the satisfaction of that. But that's just a side benefit of that, okay? I do it because that's what I'm meant to do. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm on Mother Earth. And I realized that. I realized that, which is why I kept doing it a long time ago. But I couldn't verbalize it. I could not put it into words. But here we are today doing exactly this. And this is the reason why we do this, because we're born to do this, mm. right?
Yeah, it's, it's funny you're like connecting the dots, just thinking back, thinking, wow, all those things you've done has led us to this point. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the thing is, this is a really loaded con. I mean, it's heavily loaded. Not only have we got four permutations, there's a lot more to it. Um, but this could be a several hour long podcast, which, you know, we're trying to kind of keep it to a reasonable time length. Um, so, um, I'm trying to hold back on opening up new doors because we can go into so much more on each of the points as well. Um, mm-hmm. That there's there's a lot of depth into each and every part of this. So um, this is just skimming the surface. And there's other martial arts students out there. There's other martial arts teachers out there. And there's other students, teachers that are not in martial arts, but still students and teachers and have that relationship um, and have that, that um, not just, not just a, uh, you know, a relationship as a student teacher, but a cosmic relationship where they're in each other's life for a reason. Okay. Mm. Right. And uh, whether you realize or not, Okay. And like I said, you know, sometimes, you know, when a teacher is serving you and a teacher is serving you, not necessarily through uh, educating, inspiring, and empowering, right? But it could be through the extreme opposite uh, type of uh, mm-hmm. emotions and uh, intelligence that's coming across, but you can still learn from it because that's what you need right there, right? Like I said, it's identifying, it's helping you to identify what you don't want to be, therefore identifying what you do want to be or what you are becoming, right? And that's important. So if, if you've got a teacher that you think, hold on, this person's not treating me right, think for a second, this person's in my life for a reason. What's the lesson? What can I take away from this? There's gold in that. And if you can embrace that, you'll become, a be- you'll become better for it. You're going to take away the gold, right? Not even, that teacher might not even realize they're giving it to you. But that's okay. Yeah. That just reminds me, actually, though, just quickly, like, I remember one of my cousins when he was telling me about how when he was younger, he went into martial arts. And I don't think I knew at the time he was studying martial arts, but he then was telling me about how rough the class actually was. Um, and it was it's like what he would share in terms of, like, the, the teacher, the other students and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it's only later on in life that when I thought about it, I thought, actually, it was preparing you for what you're about to do. And, and the kind of area you're in and where you're doing and the direction you're going, that stuff was actually preparing him. And I think he came to realize that later on as well. That actually, had he had not gone through that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, it could have been way different for him. So it's, 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 you're right. There's some, it just seems like there's something else going on at the deeper level of play going on here as well, isn't it? That we don't always tune into. Exactly, exactly. And it is, you know, one of the, one of the things that comes to mind is, especially with um, recent TV as well, um, is uh, Cobra Kai, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. It shows the, 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 the parallel teaching styles, right, between uh, Cobra Kai, which is quite a hard, no mercy, uh, do whatever it takes to win kind of attitude. And then there's the other side, which is a Miyagi-Do uh, a school of thought, which is, you know, be honorable, be integrous. You know, it's not all about winning. You know, it's, uh, it's about you putting your best out there. That's what counts. Um, and, you know, you can see how both schools benefit people, right? Yeah. You see yep. how yeah. that's playing out in the series. Um, though, though, you know, so the plot might be a little bit far-fetched or whatever you might think about it. 
either way, you can see how it's working for people. It's like the undertone of that is almost saying it's like a combination of both those things is what's needed. I think it's yin and yang. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, this, you know, a Miyagi-Do school of thought may help you recognize a Cobra Kai school of thought. And the Cobra Kai school of thought helps you recognize a Miyagi-Do school of thought. But without one or the other, they won't, they won't know any other, they won't be the wiser. Exactly. Because they're complementary sides of a whole, right? Or should I say two sides of a coin? Yeah. Right. Um, so the students and I in either camp are benefiting some way, right? You see, you see that happen in the series, right? Exactly. And in the exactly. end, in the end, um uh spoiler alert. So if uh, if anybody's not seen it and wants to see Cobra Kai the series, uh based on Karate Kid 1, 2, and 2 at the moment, um, then uh, just uh, uh, close your ears for a moment, or cover your ears, right? So that I don't spoil it, right? Um, but in the end, it all comes together, doesn't it? Mm. The two camps come together, right? Because they realize, right, justice is the driving force, yeah. right? And they're fighting for justice in the end. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So and this opens up a whole those, new those kind people of that cover, those yeah. people that cover their ears, you can uncover your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely. So we won't yeah. say any more on that one, yeah. But um yeah, it's very powerful, very powerful. But so a lot of mechanics going on, loads of different ways this can this can transpire in life, right? Uh between a student and a teacher. Um and um, you know, I think this is a good point where I could I should read the Koan. What do you reckon? Absolutely, yeah? absolutely. I was just going to say that this, I like, there's so much stuff that can be uncovered and we could go further, but we'll do different podcasts on those because there's so much that's come out of this. So yes, oh, yeah. go for it, Sipu. Now, now you know why I don't want to go through this one, right? So, <laughs> so when the student is unready, the teacher disappears. Old theosophical and Chinese philosophy states, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. There are various permutations of the above quote, such as when the pupil is ready, the master appears. The implication here is when the student has set his intention towards a certain outcome, the universe conspires to make it happen. And the right people, including your counsel, guides, gurus, and teachers, will appear in your path to help you point you towards your own truth. Likewise, I am also a firm believer that when the teacher is ready, the student appears. As they say, your vibe attracts your tribe. Coming back to my quote, it's also true that when the student is unready, the teacher disappears. There sometimes comes a point when the student's teacup becomes full. Therefore, the student is unable to accept more tea, i.e. knowledge and wisdom. This is a point the student becomes unready. When the student becomes unready, the best the teacher can do is exhaust every possibility of how to be of service to the student without straining in any way. If the teacher still finds that the student's teacup is full and or there is strain, then the teacher should stop pouring tea. Uh, and retreat to drinking his own tea, i.e. learn from uh, their own experience. It is at this point that the teacher liberates the students from the illusion that they are helping them grow in that moment. And this is achieved when the student, when the teacher disappears. On a flip note, when the teacher is unready, the student disappears. Also holds truth 
Not all teachers hold their students' best interests at heart. This is when the teacher is unready to teach. They are no longer able to serve the student in the highest possible light and are of disservice. When the student feels violated in this way, they also have the option to withdraw from the teacher and the student disappears. Don't be fooled. The act of disappearing can serve more powerful lessons than when the student is under the instruction of the teacher or vice versa. If a I am a firm believer that all suffering is there to serve your lessons for you to truly reveal who you really are, your true authentic higher self. So look a little closer at what you're being served, no matter whether you are the student or the teacher, you are both learning, aren't you? To be clear, disappearing is not the act of vanishing without saying a word. This is just plain rude and disrespectful, but rather it's an ecological congruent departure, maintaining your self-honesty and integrity, whether it is the teacher or the student disappearing with humbleness, humility, respect, and love always. Mm, that's, that's fantastic, man. I mean, it's just, you know, like today has been one of those, those conversations where, um, just just sharing this information is giving me more insights into stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you just more things bubbling away, these little, you know, wisdom bombs are un unpacking themselves and you think, ah, oh, having loads of aha moments. So I hope everybody else has had those aha, 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 aha moments. Aha moments. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, I, this is a loaded topic, as I said. So everyone's going to reflect uh, on this in their own way, based on their own personal experiences. And really it's about taking the lessons from this and ascending those lessons. You ascend a lesson by taking the lesson and acting on it and then acting on it in uh, with practice, perpetual practice, which is repetition. Uh, and then you embody that lesson and that lesson is now ascended and transcended because now it becomes part of you. Okay, mm. so... Um, that's and how then you, you pass it forward by teaching it to others that just adds that other layer on top of it here we go <laughs> here we are I mean you know as my final um, closing statements today um, I mean I'd like to basically say you know when I teach I always say that if the student is willing to put as much if not more effort into it than I did then the student should be better than me therefore that's when the student becomes a teacher, right? Mm. And sometimes the teacher starts to learn from the student, right? So who's the teacher? Who's the student? It doesn't really exactly. matter. It's not, it's not something that's set in stone. It's a dynamic relationship. You're always learning. Teachers are always learning from their students all the time. Oh, this works with the student. This doesn't work with the student, right? And um, how to improve the way that they, they teach and adapting to different students. You've got to teach each student pretty much independently because not all students learn the same way, you know? Some students are more visual. Some students are more kinesthetic. Some students are more auditory, right? So you need to adapt to the style, right, that they operate in best. You've got to, you've got to adapt to your language also uh, so that you're communicating a language that another person can understand them, right? Um, so you start to realize actually who's a student now and who's a teacher. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's going to be a fantastic future podcast that we do when the student becomes a master. So stay tuned. That's coming soon as well. And um, yes, thank you for sharing that. Sifu Lakloi. Um, 
it's been it's been fascinating and as always people um the you know we're reading these from the art of thinking without thinking it's available at amazon or washingwinepower.com um get yourself a copy go through it i'm, I'm sure you know you're, you'll be inspired we're, we're always left in awe even though you know this this book seafood put together but we have conversations about it and it just leads us to deeper conversations so thank you for sharing that knowledge and information as well seafood that way and um yeah, I think on that note, guys, um, until next time, signing out. If you took some value out of this podcast, then please like and subscribe to our channel. If you feel this podcast will help a loved one, then please kindly spread this wisdom by sharing this podcast link with them. For more information and learning materials on how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization inspired by martial arts and philosophy, please go to www.martialmindpower.com. See you in the next podcast.